This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. So would you guys welcome Mark and Victoria? Um, so for those of you that uh, may be new here, you may not know this, but for the last year over a year, we've been helping set free slaves in Asia. Um, and the wall Operation Freedom that's out there, uh, that is 100% partnered with uh, Mark and Victoria. They have the microphone. Mark and Victoria bowling. Uh, and what you saw there is, is a, 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 just a small part of what God has done through, uh, through their ministry. So we're glad that you're here. It's, it's hard to get you guys here because you travel so much. But thanks for making it. Now, we've known each other for how long? 30 years. 30 years. 30 years, which is nuts uh, when you think about it. When you're old enough to have memories that happened when you were an adult and they were 30 years ago, doesn't that make you feel old? Like, man, I was, I was actually a grown-up when that happened. Man. Um, and so uh, we worked at a, a little restaurant together, remember? Right? Heritage yeah. House. Heritage, uh, Heritage House. It became Harvest Buffet. We wore green aprons and bow ties and white shirts uh, and worked for like a dollar uh, a table. And <laughs> it was wild. Um, and what's wild is how God can just wove us together over the years. I mean, Shannon and I, I mean, goodness, I don't know. We were like $25 a month, like mission partners back in the early 2000s. Like, like back when you had to write checks still, like you guys would send the little thing in the mail. And then, like, now we're even still trying to, like, figure out how to get money transferred yeah. to you, like, to get checks written. But, um, but that said, here we are today. And in that hall is a hundred and... Well, how many... Let's just do that. How many families have been freed? Okay, so to date, um, our ministry has liberated 185 families, but 131 of those are conduit families. So... A very high percentage of the families that we freed. And this represents 992 people. Uh, for Conduit, 693 people. Who individuals, were, yeah. Yeah, individuals who were living in slavery, now free. Wow. So how did it start for you guys? Like, where was the genesis of this for you? So Mark took a trip to Pakistan in 2019, and when he came home, he started telling me about these brick kiln places. When he was there, he said, Victoria has to see this. And so he came home, he told me about it, and I immediately, it just grabbed my heart, and I immediately, I just made a post that we wanted to free a family. Well, a guy in Ohio by the name of Eric Newberry saw that video, which, you know, we didn't know him at this point. We just had mutual friends, so he happened to see it. Well, it grabbed his heart, too. So he made a live video about it and literally raised the money to free that first family. And, we, and this is the picture of the first family that we ever freed. Um, he raised it in like an hour and a half or something crazy, and um, the rest is history. These people, do you want me to tell how they become slaves? Yeah, let's do that, yeah. So these people, um, they, they usually have some kind of medical emergency or problem that needs attention. They don't have the money to pay for it. So they go to a brick kiln where they can easily get a loan 
from a brick kiln owner. It's kind of like us with credit cards. You just pull the credit card out for something you can't afford because, you know, you need it, right? So that's, that's what it's like. But they sign on the dotted line. There's a contract and everything. And they think, okay, we will be able to work hard as a family. We can pay this off in three months and we will be out of here. But the problem is the system is totally rigged. They will never get out of there. It's impossible to pay the debt back. And so families are enslaved literally for generations with no hope of ever getting out. Um, there are 20,000 brick kiln factories. There's about 250 slaves in each brick kiln. So 4.5 million slaves. Now, most of them are Muslim. And some, few of them are Christian. We are rescuing Christians who are being persecuted. That's the ones that we go after. We have guys on the ground continually in there preaching the gospel, feeding everyone, praying for everyone, giving everyone what they need. But we rescue the Christians who are being persecuted. And that is a whole range of things from, you know, their little daughter being raped on a continual basis. And they have no power to stop it. You can't just call the police and say, send a cop. Nobody's going to help them to murder. You know, when we were there the first time, we were at a kiln where um, they had thrown a husband and wife, Christian husband and wife, into the kiln to be burned alive and left their children orphans. So it's very intense. We have four guys on the ground who identify the persecuted Christian families. And then that's where we come in. That's where conduit comes in. People give, and it averages about $350 per person to free these families. The money is wired over. Our guys on the ground risk their lives. I, I get texts in the middle of the night, Sister Victoria, pray for me. This kiln owner is hold, it has a gun pointed at me. Yeah, I remember that. You know, and then... Um, mm. You know, we were just with our guys, and one of them, he just broke down crying, telling me about that moment. And he said, in that moment, I didn't know if I was ever going to see my wife and kids again, but it's an honor. It's an honor to do this work with you. So our guys go in. We have an attorney. Sometimes we have other, you know, helpful authority figures. <laughs> and um, they go in. They pay cash. They pay the debt off. The debts start at $30 when they start, $100 when they start. But when we go in, it's like around two grand, 2,500. They pay cash. We have an attorney. It's notarized, stamped, sealed. Everyone puts their thumbprint on it. It's legit and legal. And their debt is paid in full. So then they're relocated uh, two or three hours away to a brand new uh, place. And they're put under the care of a local pastor. And then we usually will start a new business for them. You know, we ask them, what do you want to do? Some of them don't want that. Some of them just want a good job in a factory. So we find them a good job in a factory. But some of them are literally living out their dream of like business ownership after being slaves for decades. It's amazing. And what's amazing, <laughs> yeah, drink from that fire hose, right? Um, because what's remarkable, I mean, first of all, 4.5 million, 
right, more than existed in the entire European slave trade, right now in just that part of Asia. And last year when we were beginning the process of reopening and there were lots of questions about caring for those who were being persecuted and people asking, you know, what would you have done if you were alive during the time of slavery? Would you have been you know, someone who rose up? And the answer is not what would you have done? The answer is what will you do? Because you live during that phase right now, 4.5 million of them. The mainstream media is not going to tell you that. There's no money in it. They're not going to tell you that because countries like China have a vested interest in you not knowing that. But it's true. And as the body of Christ, I can't think of a better use of God's money. It's not my money. God's money than to do this. Uh, to date, uh, $413,000 uh, from you have gone through the conduit to setting free families and these schools and I mean, look, we could probably have nicer chairs with cup holders, um, probably have a fog machine. Like, there's lots of things we could do in here, <laughs> right? I'm not like anti-fog machine. I'm like fog machine neutral. But, um, you know what I mean? I don't know. If, but I'm just saying that that's, this feels like a great use of God's money to honor him to build his church, not with literal bricks, but build his church with the living stones of these brothers and sisters coming out of slavery. And, and if you didn't know before you walked in here, or you didn't know this last year, you're not alone. The vast majority of the world does not know that this is happening, but now you know, and now we get to be a part of continuing. $413,000, I'd love to double it. I'd love to triple it. I'd love to just see God continue. We can only do so many at a time because we're trying not to kill, get these pastors killed because it 100% can happen. So we're trying to do it on the down low. It's not like something we could go online and build a... The, the thing about something like this, we could raise an enormous amount of money, but it, we, have to, we just can't scale it for safety reasons. And so we want Mark and Victoria to be able to come back and forth uh, and not have to write letters from jail from them as well. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. When do you guys head back next? September 25th. We leave September 25th. Right. And how long are you there that time? It's a quick trip because we're hitting Kenya on the way back and then Sudan? South Sudan. Yeah. yeah. Quick trip. Yeah. South Sudan, Kenya, Well, we come back Asia. and I go back yeah. to Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me this before we move on. Is there one family really that sums up the, like, yeah. of 145, they could all run together but the, yes. and they all have their stories and yes. they're all valuable. What one really speaks to I you? I wanted to share Javed with you today. This is... Javed, um, he lived in the kiln basically his whole life, 36 years, because he was born to parents who had a debt. In the kilns, the kids start making bricks with their parents from the time they can walk, even when they can't walk. You know, with that, that time, my favorite age of my babies was always around six months old when they could sit up, but they couldn't move anywhere. Right. Yeah, they can't yeah. crawl away yet. They have their babies sitting in front of piles of mud so they can start feeling, you know, the brick mud. And, and so these children, from the time they can walk, they work 13 to 16 hours a day alongside their parents in the 110 degree weather. And this is a kiln, so there's fire. We were just there and I, we ministered like a whole day in one kiln, it was like 112 degrees. And I, I told Marga, I feel like I'm gonna die, like I'm cooking. Yeah. And the, you know, these people live in that. Well, I forgot where I was going with that. The kids, it's hot. It's hot. Oh, the children. The children, they... Yeah, I'm sorry. So anyway, the kids make 
bricks from the time that they can walk. And so there's no schools. They don't go to school. That was the part that we have planted nine schools, mm. one in each of nine kilns. Sometimes the kiln owners will allow us to do that. And so these kids get to go to school four hours a day. Here's some school pictures. And they don't have to make up that time making bricks. They would get no education. And so they're getting a chance to learn reading, writing, math, English, which sets them apart. Um, and the schools are open to Christian kids and Muslim kids. They're open to everyone. So anyway, Javed, that's where we were at. Javed grew up in a kiln. He inherited his, he was working there to pay off his father's debt. Well, he got married in the kiln and he and his wife decided to go outside the kiln and start a bakery. And so they did that. And they were allowed to do that, but then his father died. When his father died, uh, the kiln owner came after him. Hey, your father's died. You got to come back to the kiln and you got to pay his debt. And he refused. He said, no, I got this bakery. I'll make payments. And the kiln owner went around town, gathered people to come and destroy his bakery, beat his family, and haul the whole family back to the kiln, this beautiful family um, that you see here. And so um, it's just because they're believers, they're treated worse. I mean, nobody has an easy life in a kiln, but if you're a believer, it's way worse. You get targeted, you know, for violence and persecution. And so the kiln owner took the boy, the oldest son on the end, and he cut his thumb off just to torture. You know, can you imagine someone taking your child no. and cutting their thumb off? Like, no. And then you're powerless to retaliate. You have to be quiet, you have to submit, you have to make bricks. So that was his situation. Um, the kiln owner did that so that he would, you know, so you, if you try to escape, I'm going to do this to all your kids. And so it held him there. Well, our, one of our guys on the ground found this family, interviewed them. We put them on the list. Conduit sent the money. They were liberated. And it's always been Javed's dream to have a motorcycle. That's their liberation photo. That's the, the official document that declares they no longer owe a debt and they are free. Imagine that feeling after being a slave your whole life. And so then um, Conduit sent money to open a motorcycle repair shop because that was always his dream. And that is what he's doing. And he's making plenty of money to support his family. Um, so it's really, it's awesome. And actually just got a report from our guy that he, this guy Javed, he had an idea. He saw all the kids walking home from school and he thought, oh, we could make samosas and chips and sell them to the kids. And so now he's got this side business and um, they're just prospering. So it's amazing. Yeah. Oh yes. You tell that part. Go I've ahead. been doing all the talking. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, the last time we were there, yeah, the last time we were there, some of our guys gathered the families that have been set free so that we could minister to them, preach the word of God to them. And let me just say this real quick. Uh, maybe it's hard for you to comprehend this, but a lot of these families that are Christian aren't even born again. You know why? A Muslim doesn't know the difference between a born again Christian and someone. They, they're just Christian by name. They're just not Muslim. So, so there are Christians who are not born again 
who've actually suffered for faith in Christ more than you have, and they're not even saved. Imagine that. That's a fascinating thought. Very fascinating, because there wow. they don't, you know, they don't know you by the spirit there, you know. Does this country require you to put your religion on your ID yes. card? Yeah. Yes. Like you probably don't know that, but a lot of some of you do. But most, like uh, yeah. Indonesia countries like that require you to put yeah. your uh, they, and they usually give you four or five choices. I remember I asked a girl in Indonesia, like, "What do you do if you're if you're Jewish?" And she looked at me very surprised and said, "Well, you you don't." Yeah. <laughs> like, that was yeah. Well, you don't. Um, but so, yes. so they gathered yeah. them, and we preached the gospel. Many of them get saved. Now, there, there, there are those who are already saved, but there are a lot who aren't. They're just Christian in name. And uh, so they receive Christ. And anyway, Javed, in that meeting, had suffered with kidney stones for three years, and he's completely healed now. So God's and to, good. And to that end, because we're talking about people being healed and Here's what I love about my conduit family. We got Baptists, we got Episcopalians, we got somewhere in between, we got Mutts, we got Bapticostals, Cares Baptists, like we got them all. Um, we love lovers of Jesus. Lovers of, we just love Jesus, right? And there's a lot of room in the Jesus tent, right? But some of y'all in the cessationist world, your butt's tightening up a little bit right now. Just be real honest, okay? You know what I mean? Like, we just like, get pulled over by a cop and you kind of get tightened up a little bit. Ooh, I don't know. Um, take a deep breath and just ask yourself. I've known Mark and Victoria for 30 years, okay? And ask yourself the question, because I'm going to have them share a couple of stories right now, that either A, they're lying, right? Or B, maybe God is still doing some things today that didn't necessarily fit with what you learned at seminary. And so what I would ask you to do is just suspend the immediate resistance to that and to listen. And look, I'd love it if it were Episcopalians, but it's the charismatics are the ones that are going. Like, I, I, that's all I can tell you, man. When you get into these countries right now in Africa, in Asia, and the, the, people talk about the, ch the danger of the church in America right now. And I, well, let me phrase it. They talk about the church is suffering. The church is shrinking. And I don't know what they're talking about because the church in the nations is not shrinking. It's exploding. The, the Muslim tide is being stopped in Africa, uh, the, the revivals that are happening in Asia, and the one common thread, and you can add, whether it's Tim Keller or Ed Stetzer, they'll all say the same thing. It is the Pentecostal charismatic jet streams of Jesus that are at the vanguard of all of that. And so, you know, Mark and Victoria uh, have seen and done some things, and I've said it here before, when they stand up on a stage in Asia and say, Jesus is Lord, which implies Allah is not, okay? And then someone gets out of a wheelchair, that turns out to be really handy. Allah's not getting anybody out of wheelchairs. Do you know what I mean? The, the prophets uh, of Baal marched around that sacrifice for days. And at one point, Elijah's like, maybe your God's on the toilet. What's going on over there, right? Remember? So you think I'm crass. The, go to Elijah. You can, you know, that's in the Bible. Um, but when that happens, and it happens all over the world, Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. Uh, he didn't say we will follow those signs. Those who believe will follow those signs. If we, if we get the order backwards, that's where the order gets backwards. Yeah. But when you're going into the nations yeah. and you're preaching the gospel and God confirms his word with signs following Jesus is Lord, Allah is not, and there's a blind guy that he's not. The, 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 all I know is I was blind and now I see and people get saved uh, because it confirms his word 
with the signs following. So tell us like what's happening in that part of your ministry right now. Right. Well, so the picture on the screen right now, uh, his name is Samir. If you'll remember last time we were here, we, we uh, surprised you and you yeah, had to come up. Surprise. First Sunday you were here. Yeah. This man had just gotten set free, if you remember. I do remember. His name's Samir. And um, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. 12 years ago, he suffered a stroke, was partially paralyzed, and suffered with tremors, severe tremors, those 12 years, very weak. In fact, I'm, it's a night meeting there, you can tell. We met him in the morning, and I was just so moved with compassion when I saw him hmm. talking to me, and he's quivering the whole time. Well, right there is right after he just got healed, completely healed. Amen. Yes. See that smile on his face? He could sit up and down before he couldn't even sit up and down. He was very weak. And there he is healed by the power of the Lord. This one right here, I like this one. Um, this right here, if you can see, I mean, it's a pretty big picture. Um, yeah, well, actually, it's the other one which I did not send you. It's when I'm talking to the people afterwards, you can tell his hands are turned inward. He's a, he's a larger boy. This is at a kiln where we were preaching the gospel. And uh, the mom brought him up. This boy could not talk, could not walk, could not use his hands because they were turned inwards. Born with some kind of brain condition. We laid hands on him in the name of Jesus. Right there on the spot looked like nothing happened. Then we get home and we get the email from our contact, Amos. Amazing miracle. That boy is now talking. He's now using his hands. His hands came back out and he's now walking slowly. Amen. This right here, see the, the arrow, that lady right there. Um, okay, if you can, can you see me on yes. the very edge? Yep. That's a taste of Fasalabad. Look how hot it is. Yeah. Man, yeah, it was yeah, hot. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't running or anything. I'm just standing there. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, this is a sewing class, the, or yeah, school, class, school. And uh, they're about to graduate here, and they made all of these dresses. One of our guys on the ground who, who sets slaves free also runs this school to uh, supplement their, you know, their income to prevent them from going into the, you know, the brick kilns, so forth and so on. Just shared the gospel briefly with them, prayed with 10 of them to receive Christ, and then say, let's just pray a prayer of blessing about their business, you know, that they're going to, you know, they're going to prosper. Lord, bless them in Jesus' name. Well, unbeknownst to me, that lady there with the arrow over her head was pregnant. And a week before we got there, she had had problems, symptoms, pain, and her, her baby wasn't moving like it normally does. Or, you know, it was still moving, but not like it had been. She went to the doctor, received an ultrasound, and discovered that the umbilical cord was wrapped around the neck and the heartbeat was not normal. And so the doctor said, this is very serious. Something needs to happen quickly. He was saying, you need to really get a C-section and all this. Well, this is a week later when I'm there. Didn't know her situation. We just prayed a simple prayer of blessing. When we did, she put her hand on her belly and immediately her baby started moving. She went back to the doctor that that evening had another ultrasound. The umbilical cord was not wrapped around the neck. The heartbeat was normal. And the doctor was shocked. He said, 
Where did you go? What happened? Did you find another doctor? What's going on here? And then she shared about what happened in the school there. And there's her baby. There's her baby, just born. Hallelujah. Uh, okay, so let's, yeah, let's do the next thing right here. This is, you wanna, we're gonna start that over? Okay. Praise God. That's South Sudan. We were there in March of 2020, right before everything got locked down. We got there just in time. And uh, we had about 40,000 decisions at this place. Five-night meeting. 400 pastors we were training. See the lady there? See that, that walker there? The walker belonged to a lady who, I don't know how she did it, but she used that walker and a crutch to get around because they were in civil war for seven years. She was shot in the, the hip. The hip was dislocated and left her paralyzed on that side of her body. She was completely healed. It was awesome. Many, many miracles in that crusade. The we won't play the crusade again, but can you just show the, 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 the picture of it, of the, the next, what's on deck? The, I think it'll trigger the video if you do Will Will trigger it? Uh. Just, you can just pause it. Uh, that actually happened on July 3rd of this year. Just happened. There they put reverse. So it's the third, the third day of July. Uh, it's a one-night meeting in Pakistan with these kind of meetings. The government will only give you permission for like one night for security reasons, so forth. So on this one night, more than 80,000 decisions for Christ. Amen. They're, uh, and how do we know that? Because we bust them in, not in Sudan, but uh, in, in Pakistan. We bust them in, $100 a bus. They come, some of them come as far as two, two and a half hours away. And so during the meeting, they receive Christ on the way home, they're interviewed. We have workers on the buses. Not only were there more than 80,000 decisions, churches are already being born there. They're already planting churches in the vicinity. Uh, 38,664 healings. That happened the night of the meeting. Right. And my experience has been we see a lot more healings that show up days later. On the night of the meeting, 94 people who could not walk without assistance got up and walked, ranging from a limp to a leg that's two, two, two inches shorter than the other and it grows out to a person with a spinal condition could not stand for two years, gets up, walks, is now doing their normal daily activity to another person who has a leg that's broken in three spots and the Lord heals it. Yes. Hallelujah. We, more than 3,000 people testified at one night. One night. Everyone say one night. One night. One night meeting. More than 3,000, I think 3,094 people testified that they had tumors and they're gone. Amen. Over 1,000 people with stomach <laughs> conditions healed. One lady was sent home from the hospital to die. 
Doctor said, there's, there's, we can't do anything else for you. It's over. Sent her home. She hadn't eaten in 10 to 11 days except for a few grapes. So she's so weak, she couldn't even move. She fortunately lived in the vicinity of the meeting, and her family carried her to the top of the terrace so she could listen. And when we prayed the prayer of faith, in her words, someone touched her. She stood up completely healed by the power of God. So this is what happens. And so you hear about the 80,000 salvations, but I want you to think about this. In Acts chapter 9, when Peter went to the house of Aeneas, who was paralyzed or bedridden for eight years... He said, Jesus Christ makes you whole. He gets up. In that moment, no one got saved. There was no one there. But then Aeneas, who was paralyzed, is now walking through town, right? And all of a sudden, two entire communities turn to Christ. And so when you have these many, especially when they're, you know, blind person seeing, deaf person hearing. In fact, let me see the, the next one here. How do we get it? This young boy here, that, that smile right there, literally, it has been not even 15 seconds. His, his ears and his tongue was just loosed. He was born deaf and mute. And there he is, healed by the power of the Lord. It's just, I mean, how do you, and I've seen this many times, but every time it's fresh. Yeah. Every time. You don't take it for granted. This is the hand of the Lord, yeah. you know? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so. And what's amazing is the God, this is like God's air show for our ground war, right? This is his air cover for us with it. Because what happens when these are over, these buses go back into these communities. So think you got the bus from College Grove, the bus from Lewisburg, the bus from Shelbyville, whatever. Those buses go back to those communities with pastors and leaders churches are planted. And I mean, even when you see, uh, and in America, I know you see even them dancing in Sudan, you're like, oh, that's all emotion. Of course it is. They're happy. Jesus is alive. Is there something wrong with that, right? To be like, like I remember the first time I, you know, in West Africa, Togo, whatever, and the, the little Jesus conga line forms, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm not really conga line guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not a conga line guy. But they were so baffled that, do you not know that Jesus resurrected from the dead? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Get in the conga line, man. This is awesome. Like, I mean, did anybody shout and scream yesterday? What was the game yesterday? Well, yeah, there's all kinds of well, college know. football games on yesterday. <laughs> I didn't. My team really disappointed me. And I was in the airport. So. Some shouting and screaming the other way. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, I say that because it's like, if the, you know, there's a joy in that, that I hear that sometimes dismissed as emotion. I'm thinking, yeah, Jesus gave us joy. He gave us yeah. feelings like that to celebrate and the kindness of it. And if you're living in a life where your life is literally, especially you're a woman, you've been told you're a piece of property and you were just to be traded on the open market and suddenly you're not, fire it up. Of course they're happy. Like, of course they are. The joy, right? So, the, and to me, that's... Either we are following a Jesus that is alive and well, or we are not. Either we have a Holy Spirit that is present and personal with us, or we are not. 
and we believe that God's word is his holy scripture, it is anything that I say, if it contradicts that, then it is not of the Lord. It, this, the Bible is his word for us, but he does continue to move, continue to speak. And I'm telling you that that's what we're seeing all over the world and all over the nations the, the, the revivals that are being born right now are being born out of God moving in these particular ways. And so just wanted you to know that what you all have done in this last year, uh, at a time when everybody was being told to uh, shrink back, Conduit did not. We lurched forward. We leapt forward <laughs> into the front lines. The church does not run away from danger. We run to danger. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us was not uh, defensive language. That is offensive language. That speaks of someone kicking gates down, not hiding behind gates that are locked. And so we have the, had the privilege of sending Mark and Victoria, amongst many others, into the nations. We're going to continue to set slaves free. We have pictures that are still missing from that wall. We can't get the pictures made as fast as we can get the slaves set free, but know that those pictures are going to keep coming and we're going to keep investing in, in Honduras and in Haiti and wherever God takes us to be uh, until he comes. We are a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and to the world around us. And I want to just end with this idea that $350 is what it takes to set one person free free, like making bricks today and tomorrow at home, like making bricks at five years old today, by next week, hanging out at school and with the dad's fruit stand, like $350, like on the one hand, if you're 16, that's like a whole week's worth of work at Sonic or whatever, or it's a whole month, I guess, sorry, my son works at Sonic, you guys need to tip better at Sonic, that's all I'm saying. Um, um, <laughs> $350, and they're free, literally for the rest of their lives. And churches are being born of former slaves now. Mark and Victoria headed right back there again. I want to, and look, they're doing another, I want in on that action. I want $100 a bus. I want to, I don't know how many buses we paid for, but I want to pay for more because the gospel going forward, we, if, if there's anything Afghanistan has taught us, that is we cannot bomb radical ideology out of somebody, but we can gospel it out of them. And that is our job as a church, is the gospel into all the nations. So if that's on your heart today, uh, we have the, the giving stations in the back. If you, if you happen to have a checkbook, I don't even know where our checkbook is. But if you want to donate online, um, you can uh, conduitchurch.com. Uh, there's a little thing for Operation Freedom, or if you're really super high tech today, right outside by the, uh, the Operation Freedom wall, uh, the QR code is right there. It'll take you right to that site to be able to donate. We want to, I think we've got $25,000 in that account right now. That's enough for another 10 families. Um, and we just want to keep as fast as we can uh, get the money in and you guys can get them set free. So any parting thoughts for us before you head out? You know, when I, one of the times I was in the kiln, I was just so overwhelmed. You know, I don't pay attention to all the tragedy going on in the world. I just can't because God's gave me like my part to focus on. But when I was there, I was like, Lord, there's so many who need to be freed. And, you know, we're doing the best we can, but it's not enough. And I just felt this peace come into my heart. And I was reminded of the Israel children 
The Hebrew children, they were brick-making slaves. They were bond servants in Egypt, and their deliverance was not natural. It was supernatural. So I just want to encourage you. You might think, well, I can't do much, or you as a church, you have done so much, but there's so much more. There's a supernatural flow to the amounts of money that are coming through this church. It's astronomical. You have haven't seen anything yet. So just hook up your heart. And it's like the one song that um, our brothers sang about surrender, surrender, surrender. It's amazing what God will do through you when you say yes before you know what he's going to ask you. You got to say yes before you know what the question is. And when you live your life laid down and surrendered, you are going to see miracles flow through you. Like individually, but as a church, like you haven't seen anything yet. And we're just happy to be a part of it. Stand to your feet. Lord, we thank you for Mark and Victoria for the supernatural uh, gifts that continue to flow today. Lord, there are, there are little boys and girls today who woke up today that did not make bricks and that will not make bricks. They're going to go to bed tonight in their own bed and not some slave's owner's bed. And I pray that if that, what, nothing else that we walk out of here today, the reminder that that's them in the natural, us in the spiritual, those of us who are in Christ, we are going to bed tonight free of the works, of the religion, of the law, of the bondage of sin in our lives because you chose this exact metaphor, Lord, of redeeming and setting free slaves was the metaphor you gave us in the gospel of what you do for us. Lord, let us put down the bricks of works, put down the bricks of legalism, put down the bricks of religion, and pick up the cup of your blood, pick up the cup of your grace and of your redemption in our own lives today. Father, I know you're moving on hearts even here today. I know you're moving in, in this room. I pray, Lord, that as we leave, that the, that spirit that you put in us will, will follow us where we go uh, and speak to us. What is, it, what is the part that you would have us to play? Uh, what is the part that you would, would speak to us with today? It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad you were able to get to meet Mark and Victoria, and we'll see you next week.